Yo, welcome to the Spark. We're back, Colin and Tony, back on the porch to continue this conversation. I'm not even going to lie to you right now. It is oppressively hot out here. We decided that we were going to try to do as many podcasts from the porch as we can. It's a thousand degrees, though, in Western PA. So, to recap... From last time, we talked a little bit about the spark. We talked about, um, you know, Tony, the things that he's going through. A little bit, we touched on his trauma, the the source of his trauma. Uh, We talked about the reasons why we want to do this podcast. We want to keep it as, like, me, for instance, I listen to a thousand podcasts a week. And, like, God knows I love them, but we're trying to make this as grassroots as possible. Like, we want it to feel like it's a couple of people sitting around talking about some stuff. Of course, as it goes on, this podcast goes on, it gains more popularity and things like that. There's going to be more production. There's going to be stuff. But we want to, as long as we can keep it as um, you know organic as we possibly can we, we want to just reach out to everybody so uh, Tony say hi what's up he's here welcome back sweating yeah it's um, definitely hot tonight yeah it's humid is the problem that's the that problem August weather this is sick humidity and get you <laughs> humidity will get you So, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, as these these go, he'll open up more and more about other things, but today we want to just focus on the biggest source of his trauma, a traumatic incident that he went through. He's going to take us through the day um, that it happened, how he was feeling, you know, just everything. Obviously, we can't get into too much about the specific case because, again, he still is an active member of law enforcement. We don't want to give we don't want to like give up too much about that. But he's gonna articulate a little bit about the trauma, and then as we unpack that, the following podcasts will be you know touch on. The aftermath, like the next podcast we're going to do is going to be when he was actually in the hospital after the shooting. Spoiler alert, he was shot. Um, and then after that, we'll talk about, yeah, we, I think we did, yeah. We'll talk about when he gets back, when he comes home from the hospital, and, and just basically, you know, the start of his rebuilding to where we're at now. So, um, tell us, like, about that day. Well, first off, it's extremely hot. I shall make that well known again. Yeah. I'm sitting here sweating as we try to talk about this, <laughs> talk about overcoming things. But anyways, um, at that point we were working a case, this was a couple years back, um, involved two people in the case. Um, I don't know, it was probably about a month we investigated, give or take, maybe a little less. And uh, initially we made the arrest, we arrested two people involved, but then more information came in that there was a third person involved, Um, so we began looking into him a little bit. 
Wednesday. We said we'll get into him. By Friday, more information came in. I was working the weekend. Um, typical Friday, you know, I came in. I didn't, I didn't plan on working any of this this weekend because usually we're minimal staffed at that point. <clears throat> so we just gonna work the weekend. Me and the, the guy I was working with that day, and typically on a Friday, you have to understand like this is the part that's a lot of people are not even like Friday. End of the weekend, everybody's going home. Like most of the people I work with, they were going, you know, we have a favorite place we went and drank back then. And Friday, you go up to work, you have a couple beers, and I wine as a cop. Like that's probably not just as a cop, that's probably what a lot of different professions do, but that's what was taking place that Friday. So everybody's going in, they're all excited. It's Friday, yeah, you know, the weekend guys are here. We come in, we're like, oh shit, whole weekend, it's August, it's hot. Anybody knows anything, summertime is always busier, so you just come in and you're like, yep, well, let's see what's going to happen this weekend. Obviously, at that point, we had no clue what was, this was going to happen. So, check my voicemails. I'm the spike. Probably bitching at that point a little bit, like, this sucks, I don't want to work the weekend. Who wants to work the weekend? But, listen to my voicemails and get information about this individual I'm talking about, the, uh, I will call him the suspect for this, I mean, that's pretty easy. Yeah. He, information about him and trying to sell some different items. Um, don't want to get too specific, too specific on that aspect either, but at that point I start, you know, looking into it a little more, like I contact that person back, he provides me much more detailed information at that point, so I tell my partner, like, hey, like, dude, we got all this good info right now, I'm like, that's, See what we can run with it. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'm good with that. Like, let's do it. I said, well, you know, can't do anything on an empty stomach. So we go eat first. Eat my meal I've done that day. And after we eat, we have another guy there. He helps us out a little bit gathering, whatever you want to call it, intel, information, background on this per uh, the suspect. All the stuff that we do for a case, you know, we don't, we don't just run into these things without knowing what's going on. So we'll, you know, do what we do. For investigations and uh finally we're like you know what let's just um somehow get him to meet us so we used some kind of social media media at the time and we set up a meet to meet us i mean he doesn't know who we are or anything he thinks we're just meeting us to buy something um at that point we gathered some people but for whatever reason tonight we just couldn't get enough people together so it was uh really just two of us that went down to meet him um little different because we show up wearing, you know, regular clothes. That's what our unit wears. Um, so we're pumped up. Like, I'm pumped. I'm like, hell yeah, like, we're going to get this dude. Like, this is good. This is a good case to begin with. And I was excited about it. And then this came, and we're like, oh, this is going to be the end of it. Like, this is wrap it all up. Everybody's arrested. Like, pumped up about it. Like, I still get excited for about a good case, you know? Yeah. So, on our way down, we... we have a meeting place, what he's going to be wearing, so we know what he's, we know who he is, and uh, we get down there, I actually drive right past him, I don't even see him, this crowded area at that point, and I make a loop back around, my partner's already there, and he hits me up on the radio, and he's like, hey, he's out front, I see him, I'm like, I'm coming, like, you give me a second to get there, get out of the car, I see him, he immediately walks away, like, gets away, like, nope, not talking to them. Like, he could obviously at that point in his work. 
<coughs> we're police, I guess, because you know we say, "Hey, we're, we're the police." So, like when you pulled up on him at the, so you you set up this buy of whatever. You yeah. pulled you pulled up. He recognized that you both were police. Yes. Okay. So then he started walking away. Yeah, which is not uncommon. I mean, you know, if you're the only one too, you never want to see the police. That's mm-hmm. for sure. But at that point, like, I think I talked about last week, but you just know at a certain point once you're in the job, you know when somebody's around, you know when somebody's going to be sit down, wait, and talk to you. You can just tell immediately. Yeah, like um, body language stuff. Yeah, like body language stuff you learn, and um, I now write that in my head. I'm like, God, uh, yeah, this fucker's going to run. Like, there's no way around it. Um, of course, that's what happens. As soon as I get close to him, he stops, and I'm like, no way. Like, he's still going. I know it. He does, takes off. But there's, I mean, he doesn't, he only gets two steps, I grab him. And at that point, we, that's when the fight starts. Um, when my partner got a hold of him, I think even at that point, it's like, hey, he's got a gun. Like, we know he's got a gun at this point. Yeah. So, and that does. So, like, that, when you engage him and you have your hands on him and you guys are, like, tussling. Yes. You can tell that he has a gun on him. Yeah, you could, I mean, you could feel it like was in his yeah. front. Yeah. Um, the way I remember it, it was in the front. And I felt it, and you could see it. Yeah. You, you pull a shirt back, like, I mean, guns are easy to hide, but not easy to hide, so depending on the circumstances. So at that point, I mean, it really does change. Anybody that's in law enforcement, it's like, that. now you're in a whole different thing. This isn't just like, hey, we'll get him the ground and deal with it. Like, mm-hmm. th- th- now you're not only trying to get him in custody, you're trying to make sure he doesn't get a hold of the gun. So, you know, this guy's not small. He's not, not a big guy, but he's not short and taller. And like I said, I'm six foot two thirty. That time I was probably more like 220. Uh, my partner is not a skinny guy at all, and it does make it harder because you're controlling specifically the hands, which is just a very hard thing to control. Um, and the process is, I don't, I don't. This is the part I've always been confused on, not 100 on. But we do go to the ground. He says we were on the ground. I say we were on the way to the ground. I mean, it really, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It's yeah. still all split second apart. At that point. I know I swept his feet, and we do go towards the ground, on the ground, whatever, like I said, and that's when a shot goes off. Well, at that point, all I hear is ringing and, like, uh, burning in my stomach. Like, it didn't hurt, nothing. It was just like somebody put, like, a hot cool on my stomach. So, naturally, I'm like, I was, sh- I'm like, I'm shocked. Um, and at this point, with any traumatic incident, I would say, it doesn't matter if it's this or anything traumatic it's like time stops so nothing's full speed it's all slow-mo now yeah so, but it's not because it all happens probably i would assume within a minute or so but i mean i returned fire um shooting him multiple times um he does not stop though even though my partner's trying to get a hold you know he's got a hold of him but he's still not stopping um so i ran out of rounds and Probably what affected me the most in the long run was this from, you know, taking back and going through therapy is that when I ran out of rounds, like, I'm done. I got nothing left. So you're laying on the ground at this point? Yes. So you were, so you engage him, you're fighting for hands, fighting for hands. You sweep the legs. You start to go to the ground or go to the ground and hear the shot. Yes. You feel the burn in your stomach. When you're laying on the ground, where's he at? He is still on the ground also. So everybody's on the ground? Yes. Okay. I can't attest to my partner at that moment, but yeah. he got 
off off the ground after that. But everybody went. Yes, to the we all went to the ground. Okay, and then you returned fire, ran out of bullets. Yes. And then at that point, what do you think? That point, my, I mean, the only thing I remember from that point, the only thing I remember thinking about, is that when he pointed at me. He pointed the gun at me at this point, so I, I, I don't know how many times I hit him, and I'm not going to get into that anyways, because it's not really yeah, relevant. Yeah. He still points the gun at me. I have no rounds left, and I remember, all I thought was, I am dead. Because he's still holding the, pointing yeah, the gun. Pointing gun at me. I don't know if he has ten bullets, one bullet, I don't yeah. know how many he has in there. Yeah. But I know I don't have any, and we're feet apart, as I'm pulling myself away, because I'm shot in the lower abdomen, like, I can't just jump up and run now. Yeah. Um, so I'm pulling myself away like trying to make distance I don't again this seems like 10 minutes he's putting this gun on me obviously again for like seconds um, we are on the porch apologies so <laughs> it was a perfect uh, but yeah so you're laying there yes He's pointing at you. What do you yeah. what What do you think though? Like, how? What goes through your mind? You've spent all of your ammo at this guy. Mm-hmm. He's still pointing the gun at you. Yeah. This is all in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Like, are you just in a, in a in a survival mode at that point? Are you thinking uh, that's about that's a, a more of a wishful mode because there's nothing I can do. Were you Were you like? So you just accepted that you were going to die? I said to my, I, I remember the exact words was, I'm dead. Okay. And I saw my two kids and somebody at the time, it, was very, it still is very important to me, but it is important to me seeing me in a casket. And that's it. That's three. My two so kids you literally this, pictured yourself gone. Yeah, dead. Like I was dead. There was no, in my mind at the time, like I said, this, this seemed like 10 minutes. Yeah. But it's like this, quick. And I saw myself in casket, my two kids, and a person who was extremely important to me looking at me in a casket. A lady, um, a lady friend at the yes. time. Yes. Um, and I just remember going to bed. And then next thing I know, my partner shoots a few rounds, and then it's over. Like, it's done. He's like, he's got it, he's good. And I just remember falling backwards and just, like, sitting there, like, thinking, like, man, it's over. But there's a gap in between there because, like, I don't even know, and I don't know if I ever will know because at that point, all I remember saying is, I'm not dying today. Like, I remember my partner coming over. I'm seeing blood. I mean, it's, a, it's not a good scene. I'm on the ground. Another guy in the middle of the ground. My partner's running around bleeding, trying to get help there at this yeah. point. Um, so what's he doing, like, radioing in? Mm-hmm. And actually, he phoned it in. Phone call. Call. Cell phones. Being in our position, we don't usually have uh, radios. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, I remember, I mean, there's people show up, like civilians and citizens around there were trying to help us, which was awesome. I mean, like, shows it that maybe a lot of this tension and stuff not always true. But they were, oh, they were like more that. than less, more than happy to help us, and they did. Yeah. Um, but I remember saying, like, I'm not dying today. Like, I'm not dying here. That's what I said. I'm not dying here. This isn't happening. And I always remember looking because I'm like, I don't see any blood on me. And I remember always being told, the bullet's not what kills you, it's the blood loss. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, maybe I'm good. Like, I'm not bleeding. Um, again, 
at this point, I don't have pain. Like, I don't feel any pain. Like, I feel burning, but it's not pain. It's not a painful thing that I'm, like, not able to function. Like, obviously, I functioned afterwards and did, you know, what I had to do to try to stop the action at that point. Yeah. Um, multiple people come by, and uh, they want to do different things, put gauze on you and all the life-saving stuff that they would do. But I was just saying, no, like, I'm going to the hospital, leave me alone. From what I understand, from so these were said, civilians were trying to help. Yeah, initially because there was nobody else there. Did the first responders like? Did an ambulance show yeah, up? Yeah, I mean, or? you have an ambulance that shows up. Um, multiple police officers showed up. Um, Supervised, like the whole nine yards showed up there. Um, but it, like these things, like I don't feel any pain. So they finally get me up to the ambulance, and when I get the ambulance, they, they, they already decide like you're being life flooded. They gave me two options where to go. I chose the closest one, obviously. Yeah. Um, wait, wait. They gave you the option? The dude that got shot? Yeah. Like, do you want Why? to go here or there? I don't know. I just went with what was close. I said, which one's closest? They yeah. Gave me the, they told me which one was closest, and they took me. Okay. Um, well, at this time, we're in there, and that's when the pain hits. It's like, extrusion. I mean, it's unbearable. And I'm like, yelling. You know, get me fucking some pain. Like, I want something to stop this pain. Because I'm like, damn, I just went from no pain to extreme amount of pain. Probably because the, I would assume, the the adrenaline and... Yeah, and, I mean, that's what we can yeah. chalk it up on is on the adrenaline. Yeah. But they, they do. They give me the pain medicine. I'm still yelling in there, like, because I'm in pain. Like, it hurts. Now you're in the helicopter now? Yes. Okay. Um, so I'll come to get me all that. We got to... Um, down to the hospital, they fly me to the hospital. Um, I just remember, so the flight down, like my thought was like, right, I'm good, I'm good. Like I'm feeling things, I'm coherent, I can I hear what's going on. But like hearing the other things in the, the, in the helicopter and the hospital was like, you'll be all right, you'll be all right, like you get through this, you get through this. Well now I start thinking to myself, I remember this vividly, like, what do you mean I'm gonna be all right? Like, I'm good, right? Yeah. Like I'm good. Well, it starts crossing my mind, like, are you good? Like, oh, so they were, like, trying to reassure you. Yes. So then I start thinking, like, am I good? Like, am I going to make it? You know, I want to end the airplane. I call my friend, my lady friend at the time. Um, we'll use names for this purpose. And uh, tell her what happens. And, like, hey, I'm good. Like, I'm good. Don't worry about it. We're good. Yeah. Probably knew I wasn't that great at the point, but... I'm sure me telling her I was in a helicopter wasn't the most satisfying information. No. But, so we go down there and look at in the hospital, and at this point, it really does start crossing my mind, like, shit, like, maybe I'm not good. Like, they're rushing me down. Like, you see, on the, like, remember the old show, ER, like, yeah. was rushing people through the hospital. Like, that's what they were doing, rushing me down. And all you see, on those TV shows, like, hey, you just see the, like, the, the, the point of view from the pe- person on the gurney. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. And you see the lights flying. Like, that's me. Like, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I'm flying through the hospital, like, yelling, like, surgery, gunshot wound. Oh, like, my God. So, like, I, I'm like, look, we got to stop. I need to call, like, like I want to talk to my kids. Yeah. I am not going to surgery until I talk to my kids. I don't know. At this point, I'm starting to think, like, am I going to come out of surgery? Is this it? Like, is this the end of the day? Like, I'm done. What does that feel like, though, to think that you're going to actually die? Right. At the time, like, I are you think depressed? you can, I don't think at the time you, you Are you sad? Are you depressed? Like, what, if you, can you quantify it in words? I don't know that you can't. Because I don't know that I was depressed. I don't know that I was angry. I don't know that 
sad. I don't know that I was anything. More or less, just like you're just like hyper aware. Yeah, like, like this might be it. Because there's no time to think. Like you're getting rested in, you got you're people yelling shit, here, yeah. and you're just like, okay, what's important? I talked to you know my friend at that point. We we're in the helicopter, and now my kids. Like I need to talk to my kids. What um, was that conversation like? Well, we'll leave that for another day. There's that's a different story. I didn't want to talk to them, but I was able to relay the message yeah. to them. And, they're younger, and that is what it is now. Um, yeah, we'll talk. But about I tried that. to call them, and it just, I, I got the message at least. Hopefully, to, yeah, hopefully. I wanted, but I wanted to hear them. That that was that did upset me at the time. I remember being very upset that I couldn't hear their voice before I went in. Um, but at that point, they're like, "We gotta go now." Like, there's no waiting because I, if I could have waited a few more minutes, I could have got the phone call back. The doctor's like, we can't now. We gotta go now. So I just take that as I gotta go. Like, doctor obviously rushing me in. Now I remember after that, it's it. Like, I remember them saying, like, that's it. Like, we're, I don't remember going into emergency room that. It's just like, put you under, um, and you wake up at some point. Um, I feel like it was like, this was all in the early evening, 8, 8.30, it started. Something yeah. like this, the incident. And, uh, I remember I had to be like four thirty five in the morning because that's when I somehow I was trying to open my phone after surgery, and there's a screenshot that's still on my phone of the time. So I'm assuming that's when I first woke up. It was like, trying uh, yeah, reach for your phone. Yeah, whatever on my phone. Or I think I was trying to get if I had to get numbers out for somebody for like my family. But uh, I don't remember much then. I, I, I know there was some comedy there. I was high and didn't really know what was going on. I mean, I was really high from all the stuff they had me on. So, what exact injury did you get? Well, the, I mean, it was a abdom- lower abdominal. It was I mean, shot they, in the stomach, but like, what actually did they say they had to do? Did they had to remove anything? Yeah, if I if I remember correctly, it was like the uh, so much of my small intestine was removed, so much of my bowel was moved, um, appendix. Appendix, yeah. Appendix, they move a lot. Um, I know the doctor told me, he's like, you are now the luckiest son of a bitch I know. It's like, lucky as they get. Um, the bullet landed up going through my, where my, my holster for my gun and my badge, which is still there. You know, you can see where it went through. Um, he took all that stuff out. I mean, I saw pictures after the fact, weeks later, of a checkup, and I mean, really, like, Actually, I just got sick that day seeing this. I don't know if it was just because I was weak. Because I get sick so much after all this. Like, it's weak. Yeah. But, you know, the sur- that surgery happens, and I don't have a lot on that surgery because I don't remember it. I don't remember the surgery. I don't remember much after that. Like, really, it's seven days of blur. Like, that's how long remember. you were in the hospital for how long? 14. 14 days. But the first seven were like... The big seven of like, is he gonna make it? Is he well, you had to go back into surgery several times, right? Yeah, I had another surgery two days later, a day later, give or take. It was Sunday. Yeah. And that one was just like, I, all I remember from that too is I remember freezing. Like I could couldn't get warm. It was like being outside in the Arctic with no, you know, a t-shirt on. And they were like put blankets on me, blankets on me. I remember my teeth clap like chattering, whatever, uh, together and. I can't get warm. Like, I don't know why. I can't get warm. Well, next thing I know, it's like, take them to the emergency. Like, they're yelling again. Like, and then I don't remember anything after that. I wake up the next day or that day at some point. Um, 
for a little bit, and then I don't even, like, honestly, from, the, from Friday to, we'll say Wednesday to Thursday, it's all just one big blur of just being high. I mean, people were there, I'd visit people, i talk, but it was, those first, first week, give or take, was sort of true, like, okay, we gotta get to a certain point. If we don't, like, he's not gonna make it, or he might not make it. Yeah, because you're internally bleeding. Yeah, and that's what happened the second one, is that I lost, I had a blood transfusion that night during that surgery, and uh, they lost half, a couple of liters, it's gonna go by liters, I believe. Yeah, it is liters, the text I got. I had three or four liters, something they had to do with blood liters, yeah. Four liters, I, I wanna say four. Make sure you didn't donate blood, by the way. Oh yeah, I mean, definitely, I mean, I, I lost that blood transfusion that night. So I think overall it was like five total, because yeah. I lost a liter initial initial shooting and uh and it was a big thing because they didn't know like is he gonna keep bleeding inside is he gonna get an infection is he gonna this gonna happen that gonna happen is he going to like there was a point they weren't sure if like my bowel was gonna take because they did re you know surgery and however they do it sew it up or whatever back to normal that if this bowel explodes like that's going i'm no doctor i'm not pretending to be a doctor but yeah that can't nothing good. good about it and that's what the first few days because you know first surgery they're like hey like got the bleeding stopped, we got you know, the surgery we needed, he set it up, we think he's going to be alright, well then 12 hours later, I'm back in, so that's when they really were like, well, is he going to, like, I don't, I don't know what happened in that second one, you know, what obviously didn't stop the bleeding, and um, at that point, when everybody started worrying, like, so the medical records do say, and I had somebody helped me decipher them not too long ago actually because for a long time I ignored all this like none of this was real it didn't happen I never faced the uh, incident ever um, so somebody helped me decipher some of what I had and, it, and actually at one point I did die in surgery and yeah then came back um, so it was probably good I didn't well I think a lot of people knew that because I remember a comment it was like later on like you died. You almost died. No, I didn't. I was fine. So that happens. I mean, we're looking at till Friday. I mean, seven days, no food, no drinks. They give you these little sponges. And so you got shot on Friday, and then it, it was a whole nother week. Friday, another Friday before you even had next it. Friday. Um, and I see. They give you these nice popsicles. That was the first drink day to make sure that all the bowel and everything that they did surgery on stayed intact um did you have feeding tubes or were you on a ventilator or anything i was there uh i don't know the first few days i think i was a lot of this is like and it does suck because i can't can't answer all of it because like i said i just didn't i didn't ask questions once i got out of the hospital yeah i coming off off the high because during the hot anybody's been in major surgery hands like you're you're hot and you can't really comprehend anything yeah most of my days there were spent just uh, getting up and doing my little walks. But there was a lot of things that happened in that hospital that when I did start to heal, you know, way later, like, was coming out of me. Like, because I'm like, man, like, I was reliving all that stuff. Like, so, like, there was a time, like, to be blunt about it, like, I shit myself in the bed. And there was nothing I could do. But I remember, like, I was furious that day. I remember I was you know, motherfucking all the nurses and yelling, like, I mean, this is, I can't handle this, because you gotta remember, like, a week before, five days before, I'm in the gym, you know, deadlifting 400 pounds, and now I'm in a hospital bed, I can't even get out on my own, I can't eat, I can't, 
I can't even shower. I couldn't even shave myself. Yeah, everything. You know, I could, couldn't move. Like, my whole stomach was cut. I mean, from, you know, way down by, you know, the genitals up to way above my belly button. So, like, and I have the whole bullet hole. And they so, went through the abdomen, too. So yeah. Like you, it's you, cut. You use your abs for everything. Yeah. So, like, any movement was, it hurt. I mean, they did get me up every day, and I did my walks, and I improved slowly on that. Yeah, it was like, they wanted you to do... Like a certain amount of steps, right? It was like seven yeah, steps. Yeah, I don't want you staying in bed. Um, and they tried to get the, you. Get, I think your your graduation test was to go up a flight of stairs or something. Yeah, we went on a longer walk. You know, two weeks later to make sure because there were some steps at my house. Not many, fortunately, because I'm a ranch. But um, they still needed to make sure I could do the steps after being in there. And, and it was just little things. Like you, I, I remember getting mad. Like I'm in pain. Like, there was a period of time that I thought I was hitting my little button to give me the, the painkillers or the whatever the instant shot you get. And, like, I must not have been hitting it. So, like, now I'm hours without any pain medicine. And now I'm trying to catch up. And I remember nurses was like, you got to wait. you got to wait. And I'm like, no. Like, this hurts. Like, yeah, you cut me wide open. Yeah. Um, again, like, not eating. Not, uh, not being able to get up to go to the bathroom. Couldn't shower. I couldn't tell you the first time I showered there about the first week because you you have all those you can't you know, get that bandage, all those bandages and you're hooked up to a whole bunch of shit machines so like a lot of it I mean obviously at the time I just kept going but truly I mean being as high as I was it was it wasn't helpful but it was pushing everything away because I wouldn't think of anything so everything no, was just like in a blur like everything yes. was just foggy you are on a bunch of pain meds uh-huh. You're just laying in the hospital bed, just confused. Two weeks straight, I just, they were like, nothing. I mean, and it, you add on, like, I didn't see my kids for two weeks, because, like, they don't need to see that. Did you me. realize the, the, the time passing, or no? Did you realize this is, like, day six, day seven, day eight? No, because you don't sleep. They don't, every, every hour, they're waking you up, poking you, and prodding you, and checking your temperature, and giving you a new pill, and uh, checking your different levels of things because there was something I don't remember what it was it was some something was way lower than it had to be like a 12 and I was at like a 4 and that was a huge concern so they had to keep an eye on that because if it went any lower it could be like deadly basically and different things so there was constant checking and waking you up and that's it like all day 24 hours a day and, you know and, and the first 7-8 days 7 days I'll say give or take like you're in such pain that they're they're not they don't have you in a routine at the point because they're still trying to make sure like you're stable. So that Wednesday, five days, five to seven days is when they started saying, okay, we think he's stable. We think he we got him everything leveled where they need to be. We think the bleeding's controlled. Like I don't think it's gonna bleed again. But that's almost five to seven days. So seven days in, like there is no routine. There's just a let's we need to get him stable. stable. Yeah. Um, the fortunate part is that after I stayed, I didn't have any complications. I didn't have the uh, complications that didn't really happen. Like the, uh, it was, I didn't get pneumonia. I didn't get... Um, Which is probably because you were young and healthy. Doctors said one of the... And this is why I love fitness and always have, is that being as good a shape as I was prior to the shooting, it helped a ton. Oh, I'm sure. He said it was a pain in the ass for cutting my abs, but <laughs> yeah, outside of that, he said for healing purposes, he said, like, you're young and healthy. I mean, what was I, 34 at the time? Worked out every day, and 
something. Like, you're in the hospital, and that's your life for 14 days. And really, for the first seven, you're fighting for it. And then after that, you're there seven days still in pain, like, just people coming down to see you. And, yeah. Like, it's just a big blur. So nothing's really going through your mind while you're laying in the hospital bed other than, like, what's going on? Like, you miss your kids, obviously. You're... I think there was a lot of anger at that time still. Who were you angry at? I don't know. I, I angry now, in general. I can answer it, but I think at the time I didn't know what to be angry at, what to be sad about, what to be anything about. Because, it, again, I learned later on, your mind finds ways to protect you. There was no way I could have dealt with the physical and the mental at the same time. No. So being high, you're not even thinking straight anyways. You know, like there's times I remember joking down there because you're, you're just high. Like you don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I miss my kids. I mean that. I remember getting FaceTimes and stuff, but it's not the same as seeing them. And mm-hmm. you don't know if that's going to be the last day or not. I don't remember thinking about that. I remember thinking like this is the end. I mean, prior to the first surgery, I started to think that way, but... You know, two two weeks went by and I never did um have to think about it. And then you, know, you come home, you're high again for how many weeks? Just to you have a nurse that comes and visits you, and you're not allowed to stay alone. You have to have people here all the time, and you know. Yeah, we'll talk about that in the next podcast. Yeah, but like so the main he started off a a, a routine situation that you've done a hundred times before yes in dealing with this this suspect yes and you went in it just like you went in it it just one thing went wrong this time which sent you off on this journey that now I mean we could agree this changed your life obviously Oh yeah, I mean, you're not before. the same before as no you're not even remotely the same I am but I'm not yeah so, this, this, what I'm, what I'm saying is, like, because this was so traumatic, because the trauma at the time was so great, how, like, looking back on it, does it even seem like it's, like, real? Uh, no. Like, does no, I mean, there's still a like, part of me that thinks, did that really happen? It, it, like it had to have felt like you were out of your ball. It had yes. to feel like you're watching this happen to somebody else. Yeah. Um, the incident itself, I could talk twenty years from now about. Like I'll never forget that day and those couple minutes. I mean, it's not every day you fight. Like you get in a fight, and if you lose that fight, you're dead. Yeah. So when you hear about cops out fighting for their life, like that's what this is. This is a fight to the death. Who yeah. is going to die at that? And that's. That's the part of being a cop that I don't think anybody really wants to be in ever. But I, at this point, was in it. Like, it was either I'm going to die, my partner's going to die, or he's going to die. Yeah, I mean, there that's the no, situation. Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the situation. It came from, it went from a normal day, like, we're going to eat food, investigate something, yeah. maybe arrest somebody to... Let me ask you this. Now, you're laying there, you're thinking about, obviously, all the stuff that anybody would assume you're thinking about. You're thinking about your kids. You're thinking about, am I going to, you know, am I checking out? Am I going to be okay after this? I'm sure I've thought about Am I going to be able to go to the gym again? Oh, that was, yeah, there was lots of things I talked about after this. Do you ever think, did you ever think about the suspect dude during this time? 
No, not really. Like, did you ever pop up in your mind? No. Um, A lot of it was in in battle of... Not at this point, he didn't say that. Like, were you angry at him, or just in general? I'm sure when we talked, there was an anger. I didn't feel the anger. And I'll explain that at some point. Yeah, I mean by that. Um, But at this this point, I don't, I don't, I mean, remember saying stuff, but I'm like, you know, I don't get details on what we said, but just, I remember being angry, you're not happy, like, I'm in the hospital, like, I, I don't know if I'm going to live. Well, guy, you're fighting for your life, but, like, does he creep into your mind at, at all? At that time, no, not really, not unless I'm, like, brought up. And I didn't really tell the story too many times, because it, 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 as most people are cops now, like, you, you can't just openly talk about this stuff. Yeah. Because there is an investigation at that point, and... But there's, yeah, it's closed now, but I'm just saying, like, do you, you know, does that, at that time, so it's just all about your situation, like, you're completely immersed. Yeah, I mean, everything I thought about was, like, am I going to get out of here? How do I get out of here? Am I going to be, I mean, the first thing I said when I came out of surgery that I was informed of is that I said, can I, can I walk? Yeah. Because I don't know. You get shot in the stomach. That goes anywhere. I mean, it's going to hit the spine. It's going to whatever. You know, I mean, I fractured pelvis. I had a ton of inside. Yeah, it took some of your colon inter- out. Yeah, internal injuries. Um, yeah, that's brutal. Fractured pelvis, which the bullet's still in. The, it's still in the, the pelvis. The worst scar ever. Yeah, the worst scar ever. I mean, that's stuff that now I see. But at the time, you're like, can I walk? You know, and they, well, when you do look at your scar, that. when you look at your scar, does it take you back to that day or just like, I have a scar? Yeah, I think now, Yeah, I can look at it and it still reminds me like what happened. Because like it's a reminder every day. Like some people, mm-hmm. that get, a lot of people get the trauma obviously weren't shot. No, but they have triggers. There's different triggers, yeah. So like is that a trigger for you, seeing that scar? Or is... I don't think now because, I mean... In a future podcast, we will definitely talk about the difference now and and where I was, you know, years, two years ago and yeah. the last couple of years of battling. Now I just see it and I know, like, I'm shot. Um, but I've also, through therapy and coping mechanisms, and learned how to look at it and it doesn't make I mean, here's something. When I got out of high school, I wouldn't go anywhere without a shirt on. I wouldn't go to bed without a shirt on. I wouldn't do anything without a shirt on. So you were self-conscious about it? I don't know, looking back now, I think it was more I didn't want to acknowledge that because that was during my phase of, like, I call it the frozen phase. I don't know what it really is for psychology purposes. I froze everything out. There is no acknowledging this incident for a year and a half. Yeah, I don't know. No acknowledgement. There's no talking about it. There's no discussing it. So that was your way at the time of coping? You just relate? I think my mind just shut it down. And, And through therapy and talking about it is that you know, for a month straight after the incident, I was shot. I mean, I was high on, high, you know, very high, strong medicine to help this, the injury. Which we're going to talk pain. about in the further. It was what, Oxycontin? Oxycontin, and then um, there was other things at the hospital. That, um, I remember you saying the first day that they that you said you were prescribed that, that you weren't taking it, too, that you were... No, I didn't You were it. like, I'm not I, taking that. I did the bare minimum when I got and home. Then, yeah, I remember you being... But there was all kinds of different stuff at the hospital. I mean, ketamine, I talked because, you know, ketamine was one. Um, shout fentanyl. Out, shout out ketamine. Fentanyl. Fentanyl, fentanyl right? 
Yeah, fentanyl numbs you. Um, and then I can't. The lauded was the one that was the constant button that I've hit. The button that would uh, shoot into me. Yeah. And that one was the one that just kind of put you down. Like you gotta sleep, wake up, hit it again. And then they bring you pills all day. You're taking all kinds of pills. So, I mean, hell, I took a prenatal pill because it was it, it helped good for the to build the stomach back up. So like I had no stomach muscles at this point. I, I went in the hospital at what, 215, 220. I came out at 173. Yeah. That's half a man. I mean, when I saw you, and we'll get into, we'll get into that when you came home, because I saw you the, 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 more, the hours after you got shot. And then I saw you, of course, when you came home. And then we'll talk about that shit. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean it, was, it was pretty. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I was yellow. My skin was all yellow. I. I, I looked 85 years old. You looked older, yeah. Um, I couldn't barely walk. When I walked, it was hunched over. I remember them cutting up um, little baby pieces of food for you. Yeah, I remember my first meal. I remember saying, when they finally said I, could, I had to eat some of the hospital food, and they, they build you up there for a couple of days to see how your, your system affects you, your bowel system and stuff is affected. And they're like, well, you responded pretty good to the solid food. You can order food out if you want. So, like, people were... I had people there all the time. I yeah. had stuff, everything they could brought to me at the hospital, flowers, cards, um, anything. I mean, people were bringing me bottles of wine. Like, just like, <laughs> if people don't know, like, what do you bring somebody that was shot and fighting for us? Like, what do you bring? You just want to bring something to... At the time, I remember going, well, why are people bringing this stuff? Yeah. But now, looking back, they don't know what to bring. They don't no. know what, how do you say, like, we're here for you? Um, you it know, was it just... So, but the mill, I remember getting a steak. Not to cut you short, but no, I was going to talk about steak that. from Texas Roadhouse that was close by, and it, I ate like three bites of it, and that was it. I was like full one night. I was going to say that. So, like, you're you when you did finally, eat, you like couldn't couldn't your stomach. Yeah, drunk. your stomach was yeah. To nothing. I mean, I drank water. I mean, I had liquid. I remember them giving you like a sponge. <laughs> mint sponge. They kept giving yeah, it to you, you mint you, sponges. Yeah. It's like mint. That was, <laughs> couldn't brush my teeth, shower, uh, no hygiene. Uh, you're just stuck in that bed for days. I mean, I remember the only shower I remember getting is after, like I said, like I couldn't control my stomach. There's no holding things when your stomach is everything's cut open and, and, and surgery. So like when I did you know, go to the bathroom with my clothes and my bed, it was like okay, now you're gonna get up. But there's no control. I remember throwing up over myself and all these pain. Like it hurts. Like there's a throat cough. Because you constantly uh, feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're, you're cutting the middle of your stomach. Like, that's all your muscle. Your stomach muscle for every move you do is now not there. There is no core. That's literally everything. It's breathing, <laughs> sneezing. Yeah. Coughing. Like, everything. Uh, well, that is... I mean, so, like, from a civilian standpoint seeing somebody go through this my experience was so like we discussed in the first podcast I've known Tony since 1990 and we were little kids early 90s yeah yeah, 91 or something when I was in 92 and uh so your friends this entire time you're there the the through everything you know we when you're a kid, your friends are everything to you. We did everything together. We we had a group of friends. We just did everything always together. You hear him talk about he wants to be a cop. We made jokes about the things that could happen while you're a cop. 
like dark humor type shit um, before he was a cop. Then he becomes one, and it, 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 was, it just felt odd. And then I'm at home, just got sat down, having a couple Modelos, shout out Modelos, and I was playing Call of Duty. I get a text from our stupid friend, and he says, um, we'll call him John right now. <laughs> he just, he texts me and says, hey, uh, Tony got shot. That, just like that. Nothing else. That text. And I'm like, what? And then he doesn't respond for 25 minutes. So I'm texting him back like, what are you even talking about? I'm thinking he's fucking around. I call him several times, doesn't answer. Finally gets back to me and goes, yeah, he for sure got shot. He got life flighted. And um, they don't know how bad it is or anything like that. So I'm like, what? It just felt like, I don't I can't even describe what that's like. I mean, if you've been through something where someone close to you is, that happens to you, it just feels fake. Just like he was saying when he was in, in the bed, it felt fake. It, it just felt fake. And then this stupid friend who will we'll call John again then texts me like somebody gotta call his mom. I, I, it feels fake because what you know just to interrupt is you don't this doesn't happen every day in jail. No, you and like you, you're seeing on TV cops like cops, shot. and it, it was during that time too, where like all this like police civil other shootings that same night. Yeah, like, attacks it, on police. It was like just that like what's happening now with all this like. Uh, I mean, there's always been tension between civilians and police, I guess, but, like, it was, like, popular at that time, like, when this happened, like, it was, it was just doing it, and then, um, he's like, we gotta call, we gotta call his mom, but I can't do it, he tells me, and I'm like, well, that's insane, nobody wants to call a lady that I've known my entire life and tell them, hey, your son's shot, we don't know anything about it, but he's shot, like, it was the worst situation ever so I just I guess I I don't know I just did it I told her it was absolutely horrible as you can imagine um luckily the lady friend that he was talking about earlier made contact directly after I did and then they made arrangements for her to come down and stuff like that but that was brutal and then we go down there we're obviously like well when can we see him like well he's in surgery right now you come down first thing in the morning so we drive down there it was a couple hours away we get there and pull up to the hospital and there was I've never seen that many police in one area at one time I mean there was like there was dudes in full uniform like regular plain clothes guys there was like high ranking people there there was it was just insane, and then we get there, and they're they're like, the lady friend meets us at the door, and we walk in, and we had to take like a special elevator, like a secret elevator, up to his floor, and then you get to the floor, and it's just like the movies, like the whole entire hallway was lined with police, and you know there's people like crying. you see on TV, yeah, there's people crying. And I'm like, what the fuck are we walking into right now? Like, we're, at this point, and if you knew this John, the stupid friend, like, if you knew this dude, he's not the person that you want to be <laughs> doing this with. I mean, it's not, not that he didn't care, he for person. sure cared, but it's like, 
not the most organized. No, this isn't. This isn't. So we're walking down the hall, and and they're they're stopping us, and they're shaking our hands and thanking us for our sacrifice. We're like, what? Like, and we keep going, and we go, and we get closer to the room, and finally we get to the room. There's it's like full of balloons and like stuffed animals, and like you said, there was wine bottles and all kind of shit there. And we saw him, and he was completely out of it, like hooked up to all kind of machines. Looked. Like, yeah. yellow, yellow. There's a couple pictures in one of my different social yeah. media accounts. Yeah, we were gonna. Yeah, we were gonna talk about that. When we dropped the social media. It was just, it was surreal to say the least. Like we didn't know what to say, what to do, and like I said in the first broadcast, the first shit I said was, "How you feeling?" Like, because that's all you know what to say at that point. Because it was just, it was insane. There were so many nurses. I want to say you were the only person on that like whole floor. Like, they uh, shut the whole the floor. Initial thing, yeah, you had down. Yeah, there was different things, security and whatnot. And um, purpose. Yeah, it was just it was insane. The dude that you played home run derby with when you were eight, and like watched, it was just weird. And now he's laying in a hospital bed, and he was completely out of it. Like you said, hitting that button for the painkiller stuff and that keeps you in a phase I mean that's a and you were out of it yeah foggy phase of being high for you were so mean you were so mean to the hot nurse (laughs) (laughs) I was mean and it was hilarious and we like you made like a few jokes and it was just and we just didn't know what to do and you know we left there I know like the ride home the entire ride home we just talked about like how unbelievable this was and like we didn't know if he was gonna ever be the same dude after that cause it was it was just crazy so we wanted to do this podcast because truth be told I think <laughs> no. I'll edit that out dude so you know they say Tony's back after this incident like you're never really that same person again no and I think that in any trauma like that extreme you're never gonna be the exact same can you come back and have some of your qualities and characteristics but there's still you're not there's no way of looking at life the same way again you can't I mean any you were exposed to something that 99% of the population doesn't yeah So, the reason that we wanted to do this podcast was, one, to get, you know, the things that we discussed in the first episode where we talked about we wanted to change the stigma, we wanted to talk about uh, PTSD and all related mental health stuff, we want to get it out there and let it be known that this is something that more people are going through than you think, we want to create a platform where people are comfortable talking about this kind of stuff. And it just happened to be that we're telling the story, what, Friday was the anniversary? What day was the anniversary of the shooting? Uh, it was um, Tuesday. It was, yeah, like, it just passed last week. Last week. So if you follow his social media, uh, Badge Tony on Facebook, is it? Yep. Um, Instagram would be behind the badge. Instagram's behind the badge, zero, 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 zero
And then the uh, face group is that. Facebook um, group is what? Batch Tony still? No, it's... Dude, for sure have your social media ready, dude. It's the behind the badge, the demons within. The demons within. So, uh, you can get on there and see some pictures that uh, he posted of when he was in the hospital. Um, of course, it's a little bit of its blurred face is blurred out and stuff like that. But you could see what we were seeing. Post-surgery yeah. picture. And yeah. It while was, I, was, I mean, they're all post-surgery, obviously. But. It was brutal. And uh, so we wanted to do it, one, because it was the anniversary, and I think it, it helps him to talk about it. And two, um, you know, you want to kind of set the tone and set the table for future podcasts and um, so you understand where he's coming from. Well, obviously, there's other things that happen. Um, in his total life that we'll yeah talk. I mean this is just broken down like he said into certain aspects and then you know and this, is the biggest, this is the yeah. biggest one and, and I'm sure on the more free flowing yeah and on the job especially that job you're gonna see crazy shit um, not only that I mean just personal life stuff that happened you know creates trauma trauma I don't think has to be at a 10 all the time for it to no. be trauma like I told you before, the same saying, I'll say this forever, is that we're like a cup of pitcher of water. Each traumatic experience, one, again, like you said, what's traumatic to me is not traumatic to you. They're all traumatic in general. Yeah. There is no level. There is no, I'm more, I've lived a more traumatic experience. No. Trauma is trauma. And each individual person's trauma is the most ex- worst experience they've ever had. Yeah. And so it, mine's no different worse than what you've experienced nope for you and um you know so the ne- the next podcast we're going to do we're going to talk about when he came home and what that was like because that was a whole other fiasco and you know obviously his perspective changed every time he was moved so in the hospital he had the perspective of like am i even going to make it through this he was talking about missing his kids he missed the, the lady friend he didn't know if he was going to be able to return to being his normal self and all that kind of stuff. And then when you go home, I think then everything really sets in. Yeah, there was some little sentimental things that happened there too with the hospital. Like I remember, you know, we talked about, I kept it to myself for the most part. Like I didn't sit there and tell people like, hey, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. Yeah. I remember the first time out of surgery and my, friend at the time, lady friend, like, I remember saying to her, like, I'm gonna make it. Like, I'm not going anywhere. It had to help having her there. Oh, yeah. Huge help. Yeah. She, I mean, she was there every day at all. Because she wasn't. And she was really good at, uh, shout out her, by the way, for being really good at keeping us all in the loop of what was going on, too. I mean, it was, that was, she was really you're good. a C as the drink goes, how I how things changed from then to, you know, year and a half later of how it was. And that's the traumatic experience. That's the blocking things out. And we'll get in all that. Yeah, we'll talk about like, the relationship with her. Her being there was one of the biggest factors. And I'll still say, I say it to her to this day, like, I'm probably still here because you're my, my kids and you. Yeah. There was no, nobody was taking me from my kids and her. I still period. like her, by the way. So good person, yeah, all all around. Yes, I still think she's awesome. So, um, moving forward, like I said, the next podcast we do, 
we'll talk about when he came home, stuff like that. And then um, we want to hear also from you. We're going to release this on several platforms. It will be on all platforms. It should be by this week. So comment, review. Um, and I'll post them on my he'll like post them on his media social media. Yeah. Make it easy access. Share it. If there's somebody that you think needs to hear this, for sure let them know. And um, I think that's about uh, it. And I wanted, this is something, cause I, I do, I don't want to say backlash, but I get a lot of comments, we'll say, sometimes when people would say like, well, you know, you're always so upbeat and lucky and happy-go-lucky type thing. You want to talk about this, you do this, you go to the gym, you do blah, blah, blah. He'll be the first one to say a year ago, we would not be sitting here talking about this. No. There was no talk. Like, this wasn't like, oh, this incident happened, bam, he's out here now talking about it. This is, we're going back a couple years ago, and as the story folds out, you'll see how, where I went and where I came from. So I tell people, you know, I went to the depths of hell. Yeah. And came back out. Well, that's why we decided, that's why the podcast is important, because when, if you just see your social media stuff, they're seeing this, like, motivational yes. positive dude you just didn't drop out of the fucking sky like that no I mean it was you know just the talking about this incident in general took over a year and a half to even talk acknowledge yeah it didn't happen but it's easy for somebody to look on Facebook and see you posting workouts yes. and different sunsets like and yeah I mean and I get that and I definitely get it but that's like you said that's why we're gonna do the podcast and lay it all out step by step, and then we can see like show people like yeah, there's there's a way out of it to find your, and that's another part. thing we're trying to find, and, and like what we're we're getting, we're gaining momentum because we ultimately, yes, the trauma is important. We want to talk about the trauma and stuff like that, but we want to discuss the most important part of all this, and that's the spark, the day, the moment, the second, whatever it was, where he was like. I'm going to be this dude that people are hating on now on Facebook. I'm going to be this positive dude. I'm going to um, re- rebuild relationships. I'm not going to lock myself away. I'm not going to free stuff out. I'm not going to do all that. No, and that's, again, like you said, the spark. I mean, that's that's what it's all based around, the spark. Like, if I don't get the spark and I don't find it and I don't run with that, yeah. I don't heal. I don't sit here and talk. I don't. I have a social media account. I don't have this podcast. I don't probably be sitting in my house right now drinking still. Yeah. Alone till I pass out. Listen to Elvis. Yeah, I mean, like, that's it. Like, there would be no, none of this. So that, that's the biggest thing. It's like, yeah, like, okay, the spark, it's whatever. It's for anybody. Like you said last time, it doesn't matter if you want to lose weight. Yeah. If you want to get be better with your kids or better with your job if you want to switch career, you want to switch careers you're tired of being a mailman yes. you're like I want to be something else what, what the spark is something that you need to evaluate you, you yeah get that also I'm going to have Tony before I say that the only way this podcast works is if you guys interact we're doing this for the people that are listening right now yeah. we want to make he that's why he decided, that's why he brought me over here, that's why he started talking about it. He wants to help other people. So the only way that this can be successful is if people are actually communicating and using these platforms.